Amen. And good morning, Moncton Wesleyan. Good morning. Good morning. One more time. Good morning. <laughs> this is the day that the Lord has made, and we choose to rejoice and to be glad in it. Giving honor to Jesus Christ, the Lord of the church, to your distinguished pastoral staff, and to the saints that make this place home. Amen. It is a joy and a privilege for my wife and I and our three children to be with you. They are ecstatic whenever they enter the, uh, the parking lot to know that there's a church like this in the Maritimes. And uh, they were so excited about being in your children's ministry on today. So well done. Bravo Zulu to you. Yes. Yes. Well, uh, I, by your timesheet, I should be already uh, 15 minutes into the sermon. So, having all minds clear and protocol being established, beloved, would you please turn with me to the Old Testament reading from Ezekiel chapter 37. I almost kicked off my shoes with every song that the worship team led us in. It made reference to this text on today. We did not conspire. We did not come together uh, physically, but definitely spiritually. But there is a word from the Lord. All those in favor? Oh, Lord. All those opposed? <laughs> Pastor B is always an honor, sir. Amen. A great general in our midst. We thank God for you and for the gift of God. Amen. Upon your life. Beloved, I, I, I say I only brought two towels this morning. And so that should be good. Amen. That should do it for us. Um. But I am ecstatic because I just received confirmation. I just received confirmation this morning. Confirmation that the revelation that God gave me for the proclamation is in this celebration. Oh, Lord, y'all not hear me. Y'all not hear me. Is this mic on? Something is about to happen in this place this morning. Woo! I'm excited. Hallelujah. Anybody came expecting? I'm expecting. I'm expecting. There is a word from the Lord. I'm going to read from the New King's uh, Version, New King James Version, Ezekiel chapter 37. This is the word of the Lord. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and sat me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord God, you know. Again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. I would put shinu on you and bring fresh flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. Live. 
Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, I looked. The sinew and the flesh came upon them. And the skin covered them all. But there was no breath in them. And he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breathed, and breath, sorry, came and breathed, and what? So I prophesied as he commanded and breath came into them and they lived and stood upon their feet with exceeding great army. Two verses more. Verse 11. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say our bones are dry. Our hope is lost and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore prophesy to them and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, O my people, I will open up your grave. And cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God when I open up your graves, O my people, and brought you over your graves. I will put my spirit in you and you shall live. Beloved, with that scripture text in mind, that's the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be unto God. With that scripture in mind, I want to preach a few moments on the topic we shall live. God. We shall live. Say it with me. We shall live. One more time so the enemy can hear it. We shall live. I want to decree and declare in this atmosphere that it's time to thrive and not just survive. Spirit of the living God, we pray now that for a fresh anointing. We pray for an anointing that would make preaching easy on this morning. Bridle my tongue, occupy my thoughts. Father, stir up the gift of God that rests within me. That you would watch over your word to perform it in our lives this day. Thank you that your word is living, sharper than any two-edged soul. So speak to your people that we might know from heaven we shall live. This is our prayer in the master's majestic, awesome name of Jesus the Christ, our soon and coming king. Say amen. amen. My brothers and my sisters, all of us at some point along the journey may find ourselves between a rock and a hard place. All of us may find ourselves, yes, saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled, but can find ourselves in a bad or difficult situation. Life has a way of coming at us fast and putting us in unpredictable situations. Someone under the sound of my voice uh, might have received some bad news even this week. You know, a doctor's report, a pink slip, a notice that you're behind in your mortgage, your rent, or your payment. And we find ourselves between a rock and a hard place, between a bad and a difficult situation. Well, Chuck Swindle decreed that life is 10% what happens to me, 90% how I react. Life is 10% 
what happens to me, 90% how I react. And while we may not control the 10%, I'm absolutely convinced that we can control the 90%. Yes, you can control the fact that your husband is acting crazy or your wife... uh, you, you can't control the fact that the government has shut down its offices. You cannot control the fact that sickness is in your body. But you can make the best out of a bad situation. Because it's not what life brings to you. It's what you bring to life. Say yes. It's what we bring to life. I want to preach on the theme, bring it to life. Look at your neighbor and say, bring it to life. Bring it to life. Bring it to life. If I can be truly honest with you this morning, not every area in my life is full of life. Not all activities are functioning on full cylinders. Not all tanks are running on full. Not all batteries are fully charged. No, no, no. Not every area in my life is full of life. But I thank God for a fresh wind that can breathe on dry bones. I thank God that when I need him, he knows what time it is and it's time for a change. I thank God that he can do through me what is beyond me. This is the intro, Pastor Tim. I'm just getting, I'm just getting warmed up. This is, because we can bring it to life. This is not our time to survive. This is our time to thrive. Might I suggest that Jesus Christ did not die on a cross and was raised from the dead so we can survive. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, cheering us on that we can run the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author, the perfecter, and the finisher of our faith. He did not come so we can survive and maintain. He came to breathe into us the breath of life. He came that we might have life and life to the fullness. So please be encouraged this morning, Moncton Wesleyan. God did not create you for nothing less than his greatness. God created you for nothing less than his greatness. Life and greatness. Why settle for less? When you were made for greater. So we need to change. We need to shift gears. There's a strategy for our victory. It's called change. We are not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. That's called change. And that's why I get so upset when I have the privilege of of pastoring uh, or visiting all these churches. And I see so many in the body of Christ that have a passive Christianity sitting on a blessed assurance. Just waiting. Just waiting. I'm just waiting for the Lord to give me out of this. I'm just waiting on the Lord to give me a, I'm just waiting. Now, I understand. I read the book. It says, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. I understand the biblical principle of waiting. But waiting is not just sitting there twiddling your thumbs. Waiting is waiting with expectation. Now, we're expecting God to show up any time now with a fresh wind that will cause us to run and not become weary, to walk and not faint. So while you're waiting on the Lord, You lift your eyes to the hills knowing that's where your help comes from. 
but I'm tired with these saints that has a passivity in their Christianity. They're just waiting for heaven that when the saints go marching in and soon and very soon we're going to see the king. Oh Lord, you want heaven and live in hell in the earth. Uh-uh. I want a faith that refuses to settle. Come on, can I talk to a people this morning that aren't passive Christians, but radical Christians. Those that have a radical faith. A faith that will not accept anything less than what the Bible decree and declare for them. I want to talk for those that will say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We need a change, whether you admit it or not. We need a change. Everything else is changing. You don't look like you did last year. You're changing. <laughs> Things are sagging. You changing. Mm. <laughs> and if we're not thinking about change, we need to change what we're thinking. Oh, y'all not hearing that. I said, if you're not thinking about change, you need to change how you're thinking. I, I, I just have a long sermon full of one sentences, so this is, this, is, this is for everybody. So my assignment this morning, as I move on from my introduction, my assignment this morning is to deliberate with thinking people, with thinking people, those that have the mind of Christ. Ah, I want to talk about surviving. No, thriving. So imagine with me. Imagine. Imagine the year was 586 B.C. Imagine Jerusalem being totally ruined by Nebuchadnezzar and his great Babylonian army. Imagine Solomon's temple, which once was the pride and glory of Israel, now being reduced to ashes. Imagine all the captivities of Jerusalem having been taken away in the Chaldea or in the Babylon in captivity. Yes, they were actually warned repeatedly, but still found themselves in captivity. What? I said they were, report, they were warned repeatedly, but found themselves in captivity because they turned a deaf ear to what the Spirit was saying. My grandmother taught me a long time ago that when you don't listen, you won't learn the lesson. The wheels on the bus. <laughs> that when you don't listen, you won't pass the test. When, when you don't listen, you won't make the grade. And instead of making history, you relive history. Ooh, because you didn't listen. Oh, Lord. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased hear him. <laughs> the church needs ears that will hear. And can you imagine repeating your history? Can you imagine saying, here we go again. Been around this mountain, been around this block, didn't learn the lesson. What does that look like? That looks like going from bad, one bad relationship into another. Because you didn't learn the lesson. God of one out of uh, God out of an abusive marriage, and now you find yourself yet again because you didn't learn. Oh Lord, okay, it's not popular, Pastor. It's not popular. 
It's not popular. You go out of debt, you cut up the credit cards, and now you're in debt again because you didn't learn the lesson. And we see in our text, although they were warned repeatedly, they find themselves back in captivity, saying, here we go again. Because of their inability to heed the warning repeatedly, they find themselves in captivity because the wheels on the bus go round. This is a people that God owed of bondage. You know the story. It was by God's miraculous hand that he brought them up out of Egypt. It was God's miraculous hand that he delivered them from the Egyptians. Egyptian Pharaoh, and now because of their disobedience, they're in captivity yet again by the rivers of Babylon where we sat down. Oh, we wept when we remember Zion. And of all the prophets, God sent Ezekiel. Ezekiel, the one who named means God's strength. God sent a very colorful prophet. Ah, he was, he was full of drama. I mean, this brother would cry, he would wail, he would slap his legs, he would eat his sermons. He was a little touched, you know. And, and, but he would do unusual things just to make the message very clear. Historians tell us that Ezekiel was about 25 years old when he was carried away into captivity. Ezekiel, the book, chronicles his life and his ministry. And although he was used by God as the mouthpiece of God, although he was a priest, he was really known as a street preacher because for 22 years he stood on the street proclaiming God's judgment and his salvation. For 22 years he called the bar of Christ to repent and to obey. For 22 years, he challenged them to turn from their wicked ways with a very direct, very strong message. And although, I know it's a little heavy, I'm going to get happy in a minute. And although, although, although he added his lament to this bleak situation, I'm so glad to report that the book concludes with the message of hope. I'm here to tell you, when you're at the end of your rope, you're not at the end of your hope. For the Bible says you have a hope that does not disappoint. Yes, sir. Ah, and so although they were at the end of their rope, uh, there was a message of hope uh, because Ezekiel proclaimed the faithfulness of God. Anybody know him to be faithful? That morning by morning new mercies we see and all that we needed, uh, his hand still provides. Uh, God told Ezekiel to prophesy to these people to foretell them of the future. He foretold the future. That what a prophet does. A prophet prophesies. And God took him up in the spirit and allowed him to see a vision. That's very key, Pastor B. Ah, very key, Pastor B. Boy, I'm a rapper and didn't even know it. It's very key, Pastor B, that God took him up in the spirit just to see a vision. And I need you to understand that a vision accomplished two things. A vision will show you your crushed condition, but your fruitful restoration. Oh, a condition, yes, yeah, a vision, a vision, vision will show you your crushed condition, but also will show you your fruitful restoration. There will be devastation, but there's going to be restoration because the purpose of the vision is to give God's people revelation. Oh, God, a vision is not just for your present, it's for your promise. A vision is not just for your now, it's for your not yet, oh God. A vision, yes sir, yes sir. A vision, a vision. You know, don't allow your present 
predictions, oh God. Oh, yeah. Your present predicament is not a future prediction. Woo! Your present predicament is not a future prediction. Things won't always be like this. So God will just give you a vision. He'll give you a glimpse of the promise. It was a promise in chapter 36 that there's going to be new life and a restored nation, both physically and spiritually. And God wanted them to understand that although you're going to go through a difficult period, this is not a predicament of your future prediction. No, you're not hearing me. You're not feeling me. I'm here to tell you, just because you're in it now, don't mean you're always going to be in it. God wanted them to understand that they would go through a period that would dismember them. Broken down, fragmented, and scattered. But the promise came in Ezekiel 37 that I will not leave your life in a scattered state. Lord, speak through me this morning. I want to talk to people that know there's been a period where we've been dismembered. Oh, when we have fallen down, when we've been broke down, when we've been fragmented and scattered. But what was true for the children of God then is true for us now. He will not leave our lives in a scattered state. Can I talk to the redeemed this morning and say the word of the Lord for you and say the word of the Lord for you is that he will not leave your life in a scattered state. That when you see the vision for Israel, there's also a vision for your life. 